This is a Zoom H5. Okay. Yeah, she's got a nice little, nice little sound to her. Travels I, well. I just got a uh, Blue Yeti microphone. Okay. For the podcasting, which got I'm it. excited about. It's like a one, all-in-one kind of thing. Okay. So I think that's going to be good. It's going to be for my travel, like the travel part, because I've got a person that has a studio that wants me to be able to use their studio. Okay. Uh, so we'll do most of them in the studio, and then we'll do part of them like remote. Nice. And I'll use the Blue Yeti then, I think. Nice. Nice, nice, nice. I love it. It's a good, I know a lot of people use the Yeti. I was always told just to go with the Zoom because the record quality is really, really good, but the, the Yeti is going to treat you well. It's really good. Oh, yeah, but the, yeah, the Zoom like is, is super professional and has great sound to it and like whatever. I have a couple people that I've recorded with that use Zooms. Yeah, everybody's got everybody's got their like this one's the way. I think it's whatever you're comfortable with. Yeah. You ready? Yes. Yeah. Okay. All right. Hey guys, welcome to Twelve Questions. Hi. 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 Oh my god. Okay, so this is another coming at you live from the All Jane Comedy Festival. Uh-huh. Doing it. Uh and this whole podcast so uh because there are some people who choose to be like anonymous anonymous on the podcast, I asked folks how they would like to identify themselves, but lately cuz times are changing so fast, yeah. folks are like, I don't know. People uh, are like fuck anonymity. Well, not just that. It's like they'll either like completely blow their anonymity which is fine or they'll answer it like i i, I don't know like uh i'm a gender non-binary i'm like oh, no 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 i'm asking in the 12 step sense so that <laughs> in the 12 step sense how would you like to identify yourself i should just be bc and then just make people figure it out because <gasps> i'll figure it out within like five minutes later. i know who the fuck that is <laughs> uh, bc is so funny belinda carroll i don't hey, care belinda about my carroll. i don't care about my anonymity yeah, it's fun. It's fun. Plus, we're going to, because if you want to, like, you know, tag and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. Um. Hey, how are you, Belinda? I'm fantastic. How are you doing? I'm so good. I love that I posted, I was like, who wants to do 12 questions? You were like, me. Let's yep. do it. Let's do it. Yeah. I love this. So, like, what's your what's your story? What's your jam? You're a comic. We're in Portland. You host an incredible show, which I got to do last night. Thank you. You're welcome. That's called Smut. Smut. It was fun. It was a good time. It was like uh, burlesque and comedy and all kinds of stuff. And fun fact, uh, Smut also happens in New York City. Really? Yeah. So Jonas Barnes uh, is uh, one of is my 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 sister show in uh, New York City uh, at Creek and Cave. Oh, fun. Yeah. Okay. So smut happens everywhere. We're trying to figure out, uh, we're talking with a venue about doing an LA smut. So, which I think is going to be really exciting. Okay. There's a, um, there is a venue in LA that does Harvells. They do burlesque and comedy already. So oh. they're down in Long Beach and it's a really fun show. Really well attended. Cool. Well, so. this would be in LA. Yeah. And so I think that would that would be really fun. What and about jumbos? What if you could do it at jumbos? Well, I've comedy? already got a venue that I don't want to say right now because I'm talking to the person that Ooh. also wants me to do. So my story is, is that I'm a comedian and I was telling you I've been a comedian for about yeah. 10 years. Uh, I have uh, Smut, of course, and then I also have Portland Queer Comedy Festival. Love it. Uh, which is the only queer uh, comedy festival in the United States that's multi-day, multi-venue. And I take that back because the Midwest Comedy Fest happened this this summer. This summer, and they're 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 a lot smaller than us, but they're uh, they're amazing. And so I don't want to take away uh, 
you don't want to take, I don't away, take away their their, their, uh, their accomplishment because it's a huge accomplishment. Like I never thought that we'd be in a time in the country where we could have a comedy festival that's called the Queer Comedy Festival. Yeah. Because we have four venues in four days and 50 comics. Yeah. And so we had, uh, you know. A, I know a lot of people have come up here to do it and they like love it. And it, I, and it's been so great. It's been so great. Like it's been just so gratifying to me to like see all these like queer comics and especially like, the younger queer comics, yeah, come up and like experience the festival and um, uh, and just like grow from it. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, have an experience at the festival where they grow from it. So it's been like really awesome. You were having a fun conversation backstage about um, going to the doctor as like a queer couple yesterday. That like was very funny. <laughs> So uh, uh, it's actually my friend Vanity. We we used to date and now we don't date anymore. Okay, uh, but we seem like we're dating all the time. So yeah, we we're both really really high femme. And so for those that aren't looking at me right now, I'm ex- I'm extremely feminine person. Yeah, very pinup um, girl. Yeah, yeah, and yeah so yeah. is she. So she's a burlesque dancer and yeah. she's a burlesque producer. And so she's actually more visually high femme than me, which people will have a hard time believing, but it's true. Uh, and she is like a drag queen femme. She's very femme. And yeah. so when we go to places together, it's interesting. So we went to the dermatologist together uh, to her dermatology appointment. And it was one of those where they had, she had to like get her entire, like all of her skin looked at, like from the doctor, yeah. you know, the whole thing. And the nurse, we called him, uh, we called him nurse date rape. Yeah. because he was just this meathead white dude that was like clearly fetishizing us and like fetishizing like she'd be like can you look at this and like whatever and it was like a very coupley like can you touch my knee and tell me if I'm sweating or whatever yeah. and uh, and so it's, but every time I'd touch her she he'd get that he'd get that, that fetishizing look in his eye yeah I know and it's just like it's the worst dudes don't do that even if a lesbian couple is around you and you're like oh they're hot I'd like to picture them doing it just picture it in your head and don't actually show it in your eyes because it's creepy and it's gross and stop doing it yeah women do it all the time yeah oh my god I am the dirtiest minded person but you (laughs) never know it because I'm just wandering around not looking like I'm creepy yeah that's it's a skill it's a skill to just be like "Mm, okay I love that I'm saving that image for later or whatever yeah I mean you know it's up to you but yeah what's your addiction story Oh, so my addiction story is uh, I've been sober for three years as of October 11th. Okay. Um, and I... That's like sober from... Alcohol. Okay, got uh, it. Cocaine mostly. Uh, okay. And, and I was never real big cocaine. Like the only reason I ever really did cocaine was because cocaine helped alcohol be more fun because you could drink more. Fun. And then you could get really drunk and then you could do cocaine and then you could be sober again and cool. then you could drink more, which, woo, you know. Yeah. And uh, I uh, I started uh, I started drinking when I was 21. I actually didn't, I started uh, in clubs and, and performing when I was like 16. Uh, but I didn't do drugs or alcohol then. And I was actually, my brothers are meth addicts. So I've got um, I've got three brothers and two of them are methamphetamine addicts. Okay. Uh, and one of them is completely clean and the other one I'm, but uh, one of them is completely clean um, and the other one is now completely clean but a massive alcoholic. Okay. And so, uh, so I grew up in that. So when I, when I first started hanging out in clubs, I didn't actually drink or do drugs. I was kind of like a, clean and sober straight edge person yeah uh, and then I started in the drag clubs when I was 21 so I used to do drag before I was a comedian okay um, and I also was a vocalist before I was a comedian okay and so uh so when I started in the drag clubs I felt like I had a drink to fit in and as soon as I drank and I'll tell you this as soon as I drank uh I had five drinks on my 21st birthday and I wasn't drunk yet 
Okay. And that's when I should have known that I should have never picked up alcohol. You know what oh, I mean? Oh, yeah. Because I had such an, uh, I had an Olympic uh, tolerance. Yeah. Immediately. It's immediately. crazy. Yeah. I think, I think that they're doing a lot of genome stuff uh, around DNA and, and yeah. through line DNA. And, uh, and I feel like, I feel like one of the things that we have as Carol's, as my side of the family is, uh, is an addiction part of our of our genome because the amount that I was able to drink immediately was just stunning yeah. and I became a daily drinker yeah so I became a daily drinker pretty much from the outset because I was in bars like yeah much every night performing right yeah and so I by the end of my drinking I was drinking uh uh, a fifth of liquor a day yeah um or I was drinking three bottles of wine a day yeah uh, and then also performing. So I would get blackout drunk. There's certain times, and I've told uh, Bridgetown people this so they know this, but um, there were times when I've done Bridgetown Comedy Festival, which is another co- comedy yeah. festival here in Portland, where I... R.I.P. Bridgetown, right? R.I.P. Bridgetown, maybe. It's like Stranger's Cat. Like, I feel like if you oh, don't really? look at it long enough, it'll come back. But Yay! <laughs> I love it. So, um, but... Um, uh, yeah, so there was times where I was performing blacked out, where I was performing like I don't remember. There's vast parts of my my entire yeah. performing that I don't remember because yeah. I was like so drunk all the time, and I was also 357 pounds. Oh, okay. And so yeah, so I've lost I've lost 180 pounds since oh. I quit drinking too. So my quitting drinking was like a building block for so many different health steps for me because wow. I didn't I didn't I'm really fit now I don't I and I exercise all the time, uh, but yeah, I you look amazed. Thank you. Uh, but yeah, I started out the way I started out when I quit drinking was I was 357 pounds and I was just constantly I was like I'd get up at two o'clock I would wait three hours until five o'clock so I yeah. didn't have a drinking problem yeah and uh, and then I'd start drinking at five o'clock and I would just drink until I passed out at two three o'clock in the morning wow and then I would and then I would sleep and then I would get up and do it all again and yeah. you know and I was completely codependent with my my now ex-partner but we were totally codependent and enmeshed and then they were enabling me and like it was a whole thing yeah so my entire my entire situation was dysfunctional at that point wow yeah wow and what brought you to the other side like how did you experience surrender that first time uh I think that there was, I mean, there was several, because this is the thing, is that I started trying to get sober through AA when I was 31. Okay. And so my first set that I did, comedy-wise, so I was, I was telling Anna I, I didn't become a comic until I was 32, uh, but I was in AA when I started comedy. Okay. Right? So I'd only been sober for like, oh, two weeks, and I went, oh my God. And so, but I was sober for like four months before I started drinking again. Yeah. Um, and then I relapsed. And so, uh, and so then I drank for a long time and then I like embraced it as my comic fucking identity. You know yeah. what I mean? People like, do that all the time. They're like self-destruction's an identity in comedy. Yeah. Like, and you're hmm, like, no, it's, it's going to make writing really hard. Good luck. Well, <laughs> you know, and the thing is, is that it's, it makes writing really hard, but it also just makes your ability to like yourself really hard. Yeah, because confidence is like, confidence is the fuel of our business. And if we're out of self-acceptance, how do we maintain our confidence? And how do you find joy within your, because this is the yes. thing, is for me is, is I wanted to be a comedian and an entertainer since I was a child, since I was a tiny child. And so enjoying that process should be important to me. Yeah, Not trying to self-destruct within the process of becoming that thing. Yeah, And so that's when I kind of 
clued in and I was like, I don't have to destroy myself for this thing. Yeah. In fact, I shouldn't be doing that. I should be experiencing joy and being present with all of these amazing things we get to do as comics all the time. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like we have our opportunity as comedians to not only say our piece and, and hear have our voice be heard, be the voice for other people. Right. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of people that don't have the ability to be a voice of their own in their own world for yeah. whatever reason. You yeah. Know? And, uh, and, and I'm not putting anybody down for that. Just people's lives are, are built in such a way that they can't, they maybe can't speak up. Right. They can't, but I can, you know what yeah. I mean? And the more sober I am within that experience, the better I'm going to be able to do that. And so when I realized that I was actually just undermining my entire, all of my dreams and hopes and, 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 and wants, then I clued into, oh, this is a good decision for me, not a bad, you know what I mean? Yeah. Because there's like this huge thing within sobriety and, uh, and people, when I got sober, oh, that's another thing we can go into is people, comics, when I got sober, got mad at me. Weird. Oh yeah. Like, like pretty I mean, very obviously, uh, because when, cause you can remember I was like, uh, I was size 26 when I, when I first got sober. And so I was about 26, 28. And I, uh, was, I mean, I sat like, I would come into a room and I would sit at the far corner of the room and I'd sit down and I'd come up and I'd do my set and then I'd go back and I'd sit down. You know what I mean? I was completely, uh, I was not a threat to anybody. You know, I was just like, yeah, eh, you know, whatever. And then when I got healthy, I think a lot of people, because people didn't realize that, like, I was going to, like, lose as much weight as I did or I'd go through as many changes as I did. And I think it really threatened a lot of people. And I think that some people felt bad because I was kind of showing them what they could be doing if they weren't dr- yeah. drinking all the time, you know? Yeah. And it's not my intention to make anybody feel that way, nor, like, the thing is, is that I want people to continue to do whatever it is that makes them whole and feel good inside. You yeah. know what I mean? But is that activity really making you whole and feel good inside? Right. You know what I mean? Um, and so, so when I came to the conclusion that sobriety, as opposed to being like an albatross around my neck that yeah. was intended uh, uh, or that I'm just, oh, I'm so unlucky because I have this family history and so I can't drink anymore or whatever. Um, uh, instead, I embraced it as this is the way that I, this is the conduit to which I become a creative, a truly creative person Okay, is through being aware and being present and being with myself all the time. Yeah. What's been your most like insane moment in this journey, either getting there or like what, what's been like the most insane, either good or bad moment. Oh, um, let's see the most insane moment. Um, I think, well, I think there's been a lot of insane moments. I think that, I think that it's been kind of, you know, um, built up. Like, uh, I think that it's, I think it's insane that I can go and hike for four miles and then go home, take a nap and then go dancing later. Yeah. I think that's insane. I think waking up with a, without a hangover every day is literally the most insane thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I don't know if there's been like huge, I mean, I'm sure that there's been like a billion like huge moments um, because I've created a festival and I've, I've completely changed my amazing body since, since that's the thing is that this is the most insane thing. The most insane thing is how many hours there are in a day to create. That's the most insane thing is that I went from being a person that had really operatively like four hours a day to create like to actually uh, move myself forward in my life, you know, four hours of like 
sober and I use that in quotes sober time a day yeah. to now I have all of the hours and so I think that's been the most insane thing is realizing like what my capacity is to enjoy my life and also to pursue my life is now because yeah. it's completely I mean it's so different and like I can't it's almost well you know because you're sober too it's it's really hard to convey how much that changes yeah because I'm a completely different person now right you know yeah it's, yeah, it's this thing of like stuff that used to weigh me down does not weigh me down anymore. It's like I, I cross some sort of weird. Um, I, I always say there's no finish lines in recovery, but there's definitely like milestones, milestones. And there's things that just happen where it's like in the past, it would have been this big ordeal to make anything happen in my life, anything in my day. It was like a big deal just to go to work. And like I worked at a pet store. You know, I was just <laughs> yes. like, oh, it's so hard to be a person. And now it's not hard to be a person anymore. And that with that freedom comes the freedom to create. And I love that. It's yeah. beautiful. Yeah. That's a great way to look at it. It's not hard to be a person anymore. Yeah. It's like it's, real in your active addiction. It's like very difficult to be a human. Oh, it's so hard. <laughs> no, it's so hard. And you go like how I remember standing at the kitchen counter uh, one time and I don't know. This is like right before I right before I finally just surrendered and quit drinking. Oh, I have something to say about that. Uh, so starting to quit drinking and I was wiping down the counter and I was thinking about like people that are like super organized and clean and like, you know, that type of thing and going, how do they do this every day? They just like automatically like organize and clean behind them. You know, those people. Yeah. Like I don't understand those people. I mean, I still kind of don't because I'm still a creative weirdo, but, um, but at the same time, it just, it it felt like such a slog just to get regular, normal people stuff done. Yeah. And now it doesn't feel like that. And so the day that I surrendered was the day that I'd gone to this pilot wrap and, uh, and I showed up and I didn't want to drink cause I was super hungover and I was like, I'm not going to drink today. I told my partner, I was like, I'm not going to drink today. And I showed up to the party and it ended up being an open bar, mm-hmm. which is, I mean, if you're listening and you're an active drinking, then you know that it's a challenge and, um, and I took it as a challenge. And so I drank a lot. Um, and then a dude shows up that I, that I knew like, 15 years ago okay, uh, that had, there was the Coke dealer. Okay. And I didn't know he was a Coke dealer now. Right. So he shows up, he's like Belinda. And then all of a sudden he's like, let's do all of the Coke. And I was like, great. And so I did like a bunch of Coke and I woke up the next day and I threw up for like eight hours. Whoa. It was awful. I was throwing up and it was like, it was like red wine, vodka and cocaine. So it was just Ugh. like all there is like a mosaic on my bathroom and it was all over the walls and everything. And uh, it was just, Oh, it was just awful. It was awful. And I was like, I remember, I'll never forget that headache. Just my head felt like it was going to die. And it was, uh, it was awful and like whatever. And so I went into my therapy appointment because I was in therapy uh, with a uh, really good therapist, which by the way, get a really good therapist. Yeah, that helps. Oh my God. So good. So good. <laughs> so good. Just get a good therapist. And so I went in and I talked to her and I said, uh, you know, this is what happened. And I told her about the, the party and stuff. And she's like, okay, well, this is the thing. Next time that you quit drinking, uh, the next time we try to quit drinking, she goes, because of the, the things you just told me, she goes, I would like you to go to detox. She's like, so next time you try to quit drinking, don't try to quit drinking on your own. I want to hospitalize you and like give you like yeah. Valium and like whatever. And I was like, I am not fucking going to detox. Right. <laughs> Hannah. And just the thought of going to rehab was like so mortifying to me that I was just like, I'm not drinking again. And I yeah. like really threw myself into smart recovery. Okay. Um, into uh, smart recovery and therapy and journaling and okay. like all the self-care stuff that I do now, like exercise. and Love it. Yeah. That's amazing. Do you work? Because th- there's like a step sort of system in smart recovery. I've been to some of those meetings. Uh-huh. There's um, a four step. 
Like, okay. It's 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 four. It's it's not considered steps. It's considered phases. But it's okay. like it's like you know you have your motivation. Uh, I don't know what they are right offhand. It's um, which is funny because I probably know the twelve steps right offhand. Uh, but, <laughs> uh, but it's like it's like motivation, and then it's like it's like contemplation of change. So you have to go through that. You have to go yeah. through like thinking about change and how you're going to change and that type of thing. And then it's and then it's uh, motivation. And then it's uh, then it's act uh, active recovery. And then it's post recovery essentially. Okay. Um, um, and uh, uh, but it's a lot. It's a lot simpler and it's more science based. I have a problem with AA, not because I have a problem with AA. I actually believe in a, I, I believe in AA and I believe in what AA does. And I actually believe in the steps that core. I believe the steps actually correspond with what goes on in Smart. Yeah. As far as essentially what the steps are meant to do, as mm-hmm. opposed to what the steps in Smart are meant to do. Yeah. So I don't think it's different. Um, I was raised evangelical, and so okay. I was raised Southern Missionary Baptist, and mm-hmm. I was raised as Jesus as a punishment. Oh, and okay. so I can't do anything around God or anything because it makes me want to relapse. Even to this day, I can't do AA-based shows because it makes me it makes me feel like I want to relapse. It's like oh. a it's like a it's like a it's a thing for me because my because my my mom was so punitively like Southern Missionary Baptist. Like we would go to church and then come home and watch mm-hmm. the Seven Hundred Club. Whoa! Yeah, we would watch TBN all the time. Wow! The Trinity Broadcasting Network. Yeah, remember uh, how bad everything on it was bad. Oh, it's awful. Everything it's on still it was around. bad. It's, it's still, still going on. Oh wow! The hair and the songs and the and the oh my god, Jesus is oh my god, god. yeah, the whole thing. Uh, my first concert was Jimmy Swagger. Whoa! Yeah, when I was ten at the Tacoma Dome in Tacoma, Washington. Wow! And uh, and it, they were taping for TV, and he yeah. was like up there, you know, doing the thing. And so I grew up like within like a really God centered, Jesus centered environment. Was that in Oregon? Yeah. Uh, you know, people discount like the the outskirts of like Portland, but like outskirts of of like just outside of Portland and just outside of um of Seattle, Portland, like Oregon and Washington are completely different places. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I've noticed. It's like, oh, these are two different worlds. <laughs> this is oh no, because Portland is like yeah. is known as pretty liberal. But the thing is, is that the 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 seat of Oregon, the so I'm an Oregon native, and so was, I'm a Portland native actually. Uh, my mom moved from West Virginia oh, wow. um, in 19, she was born in 1936 and she Whoa. moved in uh, 1963. Yeah. She had me when she was a lot older. And so, uh, so she was a lot older mom when I was little. And then when I came out, so I came out when I was 15. Wow. And so when I came out, uh, my mom was shocked because she was a Southern missionary Baptist. And so, yeah. and I, you know, and I've always been really feminine. So she was just like, you're too feminine to be a lesbian. This is insane. Like, what are you even saying? Yeah. <laughs> like she expected one day you'd be out fixing the truck or something. Yeah, like she really like whatever. And then I cut my hair off at one point and she like freaked out. It's just, it's hilarious to think about now, but this is the nineties in Portland. And the thing is, is that Portland for a long time has been very, very conservative. Yeah. It's, all loggers it's all yeah. you know it's all industry it's you know and and now the logging industry is kind of dead because uh, it's spotted owl and a bunch of other things that were happening um that's kind of killed the logging industry and so you have this 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 uh transfer into liberalism that's happened that's happened mm-hmm. in portland but it was not like that 20 years ago yeah 20 years ago it was full of kkk people yeah like skinheads and mm-hmm. you know uh, neo-Nazis yeah. and like whatever and I'm talking about full of them like you know and people don't realize that like that was that's the way it was because they think that Portland is like oh but it's weird you know what yeah. I mean you know um, and so when I came out I came out into my brothers who are all Republicans 
and my mom, um, who's only a Democrat because Southern Democrats and because Lyndon B. Johnson. And so, <laughs> yeah. and so she was a Southern Democrat. My brothers were Republicans. And so uh, when I came out, like everybody in my family was just like, you're killing mom. You're, you know, you're doing this to be like uh, contrarian. Mm. Uh, they thought it was a, they thought it was a, um, uh, just me trying to like, be political for a while <laughs> you know whatever right so um and so yeah uh what was i gonna talk what was i talking about with that mm. i don't know i forgot that's okay, okay. How, do you, how do you make decisions in your life uh in general yeah um depends on what the decision is i feel like i go a lot from the gut okay oh yeah and also uh, i feel like my i feel like my instinctive decision making has become a lot a lot better in sobriety. Mm, mm-hmm. Like there's a lot of stuff with the microbe and uh, the the microdome and the and the gut. Have you mm-hmm. heard about this? Yeah. Like, uh, so there's second second brain in your gut, basically so, serotonin, dopamine, like whatever. And they're discovering a lot of connections, and uh, and I feel like my my instinct my instincts have have gotten better. Wow. You know. I love that. Yeah. So I think I'm a very instinctive decision maker. Okay. Yeah. That's awesome. What's the most interesting thing you've learned about yourself so far in your recovery? Um, I don't talk as much as I thought I did. Ah. Yeah. And also I have more social anxiety than I thought I did. Like way more, like way more. Like there's sometimes I have to like not leave my house because I'm like, I can't people today. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I call it, I'm like, I'm not user friendly today. I'll be talking. I'll be like, blah, blah. And I'm like, you know what? I'm real anxious. I'm not user friendly today. (laughs) Yeah. I gotta go take a minute. Um, interesting. What is your level of honesty in your life? Very. Okay. Um, I think that, I think that I became kind of radically honest in recovery, mm. which is funny because I wasn't in AA. So you'd think that, cause you know, AA's whole thing yeah. is rigorous honesty, right? Yeah. But I think that that naturally comes about. I think that to stay sober, you have to be honest within yeah. your life. Yeah. Yeah. Because you can't have things build up. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. good. That's good. Yeah, the honesty part so important, especially because sometimes when you ask people who are not in the program, like, how honest are you? And they're like, mm, well, let's not talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, how do you deal with the fear and anxiety when it comes up? Um, I hike a lot, um, which I know sounds odd to deal with fear and anxiety. But what I did when I got sober was one of the one of my main tenets of sobriety has been uh, facing my fears. Yeah. And so I've had a massive amount of, uh, so I grew up with a mom who's agoraphobic. Well, um, and she's also, well, she was also, uh, uh, borderline personality disorder. And so, uh, a lot of my childhood was spent in the house, uh, cause she wouldn't leave the house. She just watched TV. Whoa. And so, uh, so I had a lot of fears that I was drinking to get over that I hadn't dealt with on a real level. Yeah. Um, one of them being uh, fear of heights. Uh, okay. And so I had like a really, I like I had to leave, I've had to leave places because it was too high. Like oh. I, I had like a, like I went to a share concert one time and it was, it was, it, this is just right before I quit drinking actually. And it was so high uh, up that I had to leave the con because I was having a panic attack. Like it was really bad. And so, and f- stage fright, like, you know, um, you know, a lot of people drink because they're like, oh, I have to drink to perform. And so I had a lot of stage fright that I hadn't dealt with, that, yeah. you know, and that kind of thing. And so I just kind of methodically started dealing with my fear and anxiety and sitting with my fear Good. because 
because to deny like your fear exists for a reason there's a mm-hmm. reason that your brain is telling you to be afraid so and it's all your brain telling you to be afraid right because right? there might not actually be a, a threat but you, right. you feel it right so uh so i started methodically dealing with my fears and exposing myself to the things i was afraid of yeah. over and over again that's beautiful thank you that's amazing it's, i love it it's been really good I hiking appeals to me. I love hiking. I love it. I'm not supposed to do it so much because of my back, but I love oh. it. Yeah. I was like, well, can I hike? And they were like, uh, how steep is the incline? Oh, and I was like, what no. do you mean? And they were That's like, my favorite thing. I know. I know. Oh. I love crawling around, jumping on stuff. And they're like, mm, how about walks on the beach? I'm no. like, like, yeah, no, I love like really, st- really steep challenging hikes because i feel like it like exercises that if i feel anxious and then i go and then i go hike um at the end of the hour or whatever i'm high because i'll I'll go i'll go i'll go like a workout so i go like i'll go for one hour yeah a loop that's one hour and uh and by the end of it i'm completely calm beautiful yeah beautiful i feel like i feel like the the exercise endorphins which is why i think a lot of people after Mm -hmm. they get into recovery get really in shape is because it's like oh this gives me the endorphins yeah and stuff that drinking used to give me or my drug used to give me but it's not back in the day they used to just eat a lot and get really heavy and now (laughs) it's like i'll go to the gym my crossfit i'm gonna they get a big they get a vape in our gym membership and it's like (laughs) a vape in a gym membership. yeah i'm like wow um it's pretty awesome what is your uh thing that you would like to change about yourself the most um Hmm. Well, I just quit smoking. That was my go-to for a while. Oh, wow. Uh, thank you. I Get quit, it, girl. I quit smoking 72 days ago. Uh, Congrats. That's huge. Oh, no. And it was because my mom died of emphysema Whoa. and COPD. So, like, I, I, was very, uh, I was very concerned with that. And I uh, am extremely excited. Uh, Alan Carr's Easy Way to Stop Smoking, I tell everybody. Because uh, I read that and then I didn't har- even hardly have cravings. And I was like a pack and a half a day smoker Whoa. For, since I was 15 years old. Wow. Yeah. So like I, and I just like, I read the book and I was like, done. Cool. Yeah. So everybody should read it. So, uh, so that's, uh, the thing that I just changed that I'd most like to change right now. I would like to change, um, my physical organization. I have a hard time with like, cause I'm a pretty organized person and I'm able to put together huge projects and I'm able to execute huge projects. Um, but at the same time, my physical organization of my physical stuff, mm-hmm. it's just all over. The, I don't know where the hell anything is. That's so funny. <laughs> and I feel like, oh, and also money management. That's the yeah. other thing I would like to change too, is like my ability to, uh, to uh, know about uh, fi- financial stuff and, yeah. and be able to read about it without wanting to fall asleep. Yeah. Podcasts maybe? Yeah, maybe I should start a podcast just like shitty, with, <laughs> just called Shitty with Money. And That's <laughs> so funny. Well, I think there's a bunch of like really good money podcasts. There's Planet Money from NPR and stuff. They oh, have yeah, all kinds yeah, of yeah. stuff. Yeah. yeah, I need to, I need to, I mean, I know like uh, some stuff intellectually, you know, but like applying it to my shit is harder. And, right. Uh, you know, but that's yeah. my dream is to be financially viable and an artist, which I don't know if that's. It's possible. All things are possible. Don't block it. It's possible. It's, uh, yeah. Um, how do you experience forgiveness? As far as forgiving people myself? Yeah. Um, well, and uh, yourself and, uh, oh, and whatever it is. Yeah, I guess. Uh, Other people forgiving you, whatever the experience of it is. Oh, yeah. Uh, 
And that's the other thing too is that I feel like I did a lot of amends too, even though even though it wasn't prescribed necessarily. I think it naturally came about. Um, I think for me, um, forgiveness just means not letting that person have that space in my mind anymore. Yeah, and being able to let them go. Yeah, uh, and let that situation go. Yeah, uh, and I feel like that it manifests in me as like a, a, a loosening of you know my heart and yeah. my neck. You know, like, you know, you've carried tension in your neck. Yeah. You know, I feel like that that's a thing. Um, and I think that it's it's loving that person even though they've made a mistake. Yeah. Like, I think that's a lot of, a lot of like, practicing forgiveness is, is being able to um, love people anyway. Because we all make stupid-ass mistakes. Yeah. Yeah. What was the weirdest, like, amends you gave? Oh, what's the weirdest amends I gave? Um... catch me off guard with all my all my amends <laughs> um oh i had to uh well i guess it's not a weird amends but it's probably a pretty pretty uh expected amends actually um i had to ask my ex-partner forgiveness for taking the debit card and buying uh cocaine with it oh wow yeah and they thought that i'd paid a bill with it but i didn't i actually bought cocaine with it and so yeah yeah so i had to go back and be like do you remember that time i didn't pay that bill how'd it go um it's it was fine. The person the person that I that is my ex is a very uh, uh, forgiving person, yeah. and uh, and knew that knew that I'd done that and kind of like just swept it under the rug and yeah. came to them. Yeah, just like chilled and out. It was like yeah, I knew you did that. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you mean everybody knew what I was doing all the time? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, not special. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so funny. How do you? Uh, we're moving right along, lady. How do you maintain your recovery and like your sen- overall sense of well-being on a daily ba- basis gratitude yeah yeah so i feel like i feel like this is the thing is that i feel like that every day i have now and especially since like i've worked through oh and work through all your ptsd bullshit too uh that'll solve your whole thing uh but yeah i worked through a lot of my my ptsd stuff and uh and found that with everything that i had experienced that now that I've that I've worked through it and like put a lot of that stuff behind me, I can face every day with a sense of being grateful for being exactly here right now. Yeah. So like I don't want to be I don't want to be somewhere else right now. I'm not mm-hmm. wishing. Oh, I wish I was on TV right now, or I mm-hmm. wish I was doing this or that. I want to be here, and so I feel like the the gratitude in the present moment is really important, and also counting the things that have happened since you became sober. Right. So like three years ago, there's a lot of things that I would not have been able to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, this almost since this entire weekend, I would be completely absent besides showing up for my shows and then leaving. Mm-hmm. So like I wouldn't have hung out with you, yeah. you know, like that kind of stuff. And so that's the thing is that I feel like now I'm so much more present and so much, uh, have so much ability to create better relationships and uh, stronger uh, community than I ever have been. Yeah. So like staying grateful within that helps keep me sober. Beautiful. What's your, uh, relationship to a higher power? 
Um, I feel like I have a higher power. I don't feel like it's a defined thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, you know, have studied a lot of Buddhism. I don't get anywhere near Christianity. Sorry, Jesus. Um, <laughs> but I, uh, I stay, uh, but I, I stay connected with my spirituality and I yeah. stay connected with, cause that's one of the reasons that I hike. Right. So one of the reasons I hike is because nature reminds me that I am a microcosm in the grand scheme of things. Right. So no matter what I'm going through, my problems aren't that big. Yeah. It's, you know, because this tree has been here for 300 years yeah. and I've only been here for, you know, however many years I've been here and no, but I've been, <laughs> I've been here for, you know, as many years as I've been here and I am like a speck. I am like so new in the universe as opposed yeah. to the rest of the universe. So that's how I keep in, in contact with my spirituality is, is through nature. That's beautiful. Oh my God. I can't believe we just like blew through those questions. You're like, I got answers, mama. I got <laughs> I've you. I've been thinking about this shit for years. Oh, I love it. Yeah. What is uh, one thing you would give to somebody just like you? Like what's one thing you want to give away to the person listening to this who's just like you? Don't be afraid. You're going to be fun anyway. Oh, I love that. I was always afraid at the end of my step working because we had like a, we and my program, we work out of a step working guide and there's always like, what are your fears about working You're this step? You're not going to be fun. And I was like, that's oh. the whole fear. Yeah. I'm telling you, as alcoholics and as drug addicts, the one of the things that, that, that is amazing is that we have the ability, and this is the thing, to have more fun in sobriety than yes. we ever did drinking. Because the thing is, you're drinking or you're drugging or whatever you're doing right now is masking your true self. Yeah. And so if you can get down into yourself, and that's the thing, the one of the things that I've learned about myself since I got sober is that I am nothing to be afraid of. Yes. But I'm everything to be afraid of to other people. True, because you're free. Because I'm free. Yeah. And so I like really, I really get into myself and like really get into like feeling me and like figuring out who I am as my individual person and if you're doing that then you're having fun yeah and like if you're having fun then you don't want to fuck it up you know I love that yeah. Belinda where can people find you um you can find me at Portland Queer Comedy Festival hell yeah buy tickets go submit come. we do have people thing. come from all over the country we've had people come like uh audience members like from Canada yeah like, like, yeah, like we had a we had a couple last year come in, flew in from Nova Scotia Fun. to do to, as audience members for the festival. They were at every show. And that. so uh check out portlandqueercomedyfestival.com. Uh check me out on Instagram at Belinda Comedy, Twitter Belinda Comedy, and Facebook. Yay! Yay. I love it. And Belinda, if nobody's told you this today, I love you. Oh yeah, I love Yay. you too. And if you're listening to this and nobody's told you this today, we love you. We love you. Bye. Bye. Thank you.